Welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over, over coffee. coffee. So guys, welcome back. We are back again with Michael Foley, who's going to be talking to us today about uh, the Secure Act 2.0 and some other updates about student loans. So welcome back on the show, Mike. Thanks so much for having me again. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah. So as always, we start out with a little bit of a bio and disclaimer statement. Michael's a comprehensive financial advisor. He runs his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona under North Star Resource Group. He was trained at Duke University, holds a certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. He serves a diverse group of clients with different financial and student loan needs, but he has two physician parents. Um, and so Michael's found a specialty in working with those in the healthcare space. He's a registered representative and investment advisor of security and financial services. Financial professionals don't provide tax advice and this should not be considered as such. Please consult a tax professional for advice regarding your specific situation. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Security and Financial Services Inc., member of FINRA and SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated operated at 6720 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 290 in Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253. We're getting really good at that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. I know we're planning to talk about a lot of different stuff today because it seems like since the last time we had a chance to get together, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened. Um, take us through the bird's eye of what our objectives are today, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, sure thing. So I thought it would be good uh, just to do some updates, mostly on on new legislation coming that just came out, uh, kind of snuck under the radar, and a lot of people haven't really heard a lot about what's called the Secure Act 2.0. So uh, it's it made a lot of they made a lot of changes in the retirement uh, space that I want to make sure folks are aware of, and um, some cool new additions that are adding uh, and going to be coming down the pike too to keep an eye out on. And then I uh, really want to spend some time talking about uh, just some of the, the student loan updates uh, as this uh, saga continues here. Awesome. So let's get right into it, Mike. Um, let's talk about some of those changes in the um, new contribution limits and things like that. And then can you give us just like a refresher about like what um, those pre-tax contributions versus like a Roth retirement contribution, like what's the difference? Yeah, sure thing. No, it's always always a little bit gray, right? <laughs> so yeah, always good for a little for refresher. So you know, let's let's start out with uh, pre-tax contributions. Uh, a pre-tax retirement contribution might be into your retirement plan at work, uh, like a four hundred one k or four hundred three b. And essentially, what that means is if you put let's say $10,000 into your 401k at work uh, on a pre-tax basis, uh, let's say you made $100,000 that year. Effectively, what that means is since you paid that pre-tax, you will only have to pay taxes in that year off of $90,000 instead of the full $100,000. So there's definite tax savings today by putting money into a pre-tax account. Uh, and then that money grows over time. It grows tax deferred, meaning you don't have to pay taxes on it throughout the throughout the time that you have that you're investing that money. But then you get to age 59 and a half. And once you wait until after age 59 and a half, uh, which is a key year, which we'll talk about in a second too, uh, you can take the money out and there's no penalty. If you take it out before, then they, they penalize you. But not only so, but after 59 and a half, there's no penalty, but any dollar that comes out of that account is taxed as if you earned it in the year that you 
took that money out. So uh, if you took $100,000 out of your 401k in retirement, it's as if you made $100,000 in retirement. So that's they're essentially you're essentially kicking the, the, the tax burden down to the future. So the thought process with that is that well, hopefully I'll, I'll maybe put money away when I'm in a high tax bracket. And then in retirement, when I'm in a lower tax bracket, I'll take the money out, right? Um, doesn't work all the time, uh, but you know that's something that that's kind of the initial thought process. But I always like to think of the pre-tax too, as this is like the the government's retirement plan in a way, right? This is if this is their tax revenue that they're waiting on. And so if they, if you never take the money out of that account, they never get paid. So uh, effectively, what they have is now at uh, what they just moved back to 73 years old. If you haven't started taking out money from that pre-tax account, now they they force you to. And so they set up, say, hey, we think that you're going to be living this long. Here's how much money you have in your account. And here's what your required minimum distribution. So we call them RMDs. Um, so that it's essentially you have to take this much money out or you're penalized uh, and taxed on that. So um, that's a huge, huge caveat. So, so shift gears over to the Roth contributions now. Just as an additional disclosure for compliance, um, with regards to the, the Roth IRAs and the Roth contributions, um, there is a five-year waiting period in addition to the 59 and a half rule. Um, also, investors anticipated tax bracket in retirement will determine whether or not a Roth account versus a traditional retirement account will provide more money in retirement. For a Roth IRA earnings withdrawn prior to reaching 59 and a half, and or not meeting the five-year holding period may be subject to a 10% penalty in addition to income tax. Uh, After-tax contribution amounts are generally returned income tax-free. However, for Roth conversions, if converted amounts are not held for the five-year period, distributions may be subject to the 10% penalty as well. Let's say you know you make a uh, you know you can make a Roth contribution, same ten thousand dollars. Let's say instead of putting that towards pre-tax, you put it ten thousand dollars towards make it as a Roth contribution to that four hundred one k that through your employer. Um, you don't get any tax savings today. Gross tax deferred, just like the four hundred one k. Still don't want to take out any of the gains before fifty nine and a half, or you could be penalized on that. But then after fifty nine and a half. Any dollar that comes out of that account is 100% tax-free. So that also means that the government's not waiting on anything on the back end. So that's why you don't have to worry about any required minimum distributions on the back end too. So uh, just wanted to, I think that'd be just helpful to get a little, little back, uh, back story on uh, how the pre-tax and Roth, Roth operate there plan um, that doesn't have income limits. Uh, you know, you can make however much you can put that much money towards your Roth, uh, Roth 401k, but um, there's limits on how much you can put into these types of retirement accounts, Roth or pre-tax. And so the Secure Act, first of all, started by increasing what those limits are. So uh, 20, so last year was 20,500 is that you can, how much you can put into your employer sponsored 401k, 403b, TSP, what have you. Um, so they've actually jumped that up considerably up to 22,500. So usually they flip that up by like 500 bucks each year. So they jumped up $2,000 of how much you can put into there, which is quite considerable. Um, and then if you're like a, uh, if you're, you know, uh, on your own, you're doing locums or you're doing other, um, you know, 1099 work and you have your own business, um, you can 
contribute to like a SEP IRA and they increase the limits of that to 66,000, which is huge too. Um, and if you want to just do a Roth IRA itself, it's up to 6,500. So they increased all of the, the rates on that. Um, but effectively what they're allowing now is a lot more Roth contributions and matching to those contributions. So the big thing historically for a lot of our clients is a lot of their employers don't uh, match you if you make a Roth contribution to your 401k or your 403b. So typically, you know, a lot of the recommendation has been, hey, let's put let's put at least like the 4% to pre-tax that you're they're matching you so we don't miss out on a match. And then let's do the rest towards a Roth contribution. Now what they're saying is that you know new legislation is going to allow them to make matching contributions to Roth. Uh, Roth contributions directly. So you wouldn't even need to do anything to the pre-tax if you don't want to. So um, so that's been a huge, huge deal. Um, also with you know some of these SEP IRAs or simple IRAs, um, many of you guys who are W-2 employee physicians, not gonna have to worry about that. But this is for the folks, you know, doing locums, doing speaking engagements, you know, other, you know, sometimes you do like legal consulting or, or things like that. Um, earning any income on the side as a business, you know, you'll have access to doing some of these other plans. And a SEP IRA, you could only do pre-tax historically, but now you can do it all Roth if you wanted, which is pretty neat. So lots of uh, new opportunities to get Roth money away, uh, regardless of income limits now, which is, which is pretty cool. So there's still restrictions on the Roth IRA itself. But now there's all these other options that uh, are, are opening up, uh, open up the door there. But um, but the one other really uh, neat thing on the matching component of this is that um, is is when it comes to your student loan payment. So what they found is that there's a lot of people not contributing to retirement plans because they're making they're making payments to their student loans, and so they're not even able to get the matching contribution because they can't afford to put that 4% away because they're making payments to their student loans. And so now the coolest thing is they're actually allowing you to count a student. If you're making a, a student loan payment, they're actually able to count that as credit to give you a match, even though you're not actually putting money directly into the plan. So um, this is huge for, especially for a lot of our clients in residency that you know, are really trying to, you know, just scrape by, maybe we're just making the, the our student loan payment, and, you know, 4% of your income is is a lot, you know, when, when you're in residency and fellowship and like, and so that's going to be a huge, huge uh, opportunity for us there. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, talking to us about that, because that's some really great changes that I think our residents definitely need to know about. Um, it sounds like, though, that the SECURE Act also has some other pretty cool new changes. Can you also talk about what else um, it, it it changes in terms of retirement savings? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a, there's a couple uh, kind of just neat new features that they're coming out with. The first one is the, the lost and found for your retirement savings. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, we get clients that say like, hey, could you just help me find where all my old retirement accounts are? I feel like I've worked at so many different places, but like, I don't even know if I have anything outstanding anymore. It's a very common question that we get. And quite frankly, you know, we're just helping them pile together where they've worked and then having them call those employers and identify if they have anything under their name for retirement, very cumbersome process. And so what they're now doing is, um, 
they're doing a retirement lost and found. So they're going to eventually have a database in a couple of years from now, they're starting work on it so that they can make sure that they're organizing all their plans and people don't have, you know, leftover retirement money in some account that they don't even know about. So, cause sometimes their employers are making contributions they don't even know and they leave and they leave it there. So that's going to be huge just not to leave any retirement money behind. Um, one of the other big changes that is a positive, but a little bit concerning for me is the the increase in the age of the required minimum distribution. So this is like we just talked about on the back end when they start forcing you to take money out. Um, it was 72 years old, but now they moved it back to 73 years old. Um, so that's great because it means you don't have to take money out, but it just makes me a, a little unnerving that it means that those ages are movable, <laughs> uh, that, you know, not necessarily the back end one, but I'm more concerned about the 59 and a half one. Because uh, then if they move that back and say, oh, people are living longer, let's move that back to 65. You know, uh, well, now, now you can't get access to your retirement money without penalty before 65, right? And so uh, that's not the case right now, but this is just something that, um, it's just a subtle reminder that these are governmental changes that could happen and you know making sure that your retirement account through your employer um, and just retirement accounts in general are not your only savings plan for retirement uh, we want to make sure that we're diversifying not only from what we're investing in but in the types of accounts that we are investing in because the rules around those accounts can change so just a good reminder on that um, there are some changes for a lot of our clients uh, that have maybe overfunded a 529 plan in the past. They are now allowing you to, again, roll that into a Roth IRA. So again, the rise of the Roth here. Um, there are certain restrictions on that. It's got to be over 15 years old of a 529. So this is for our older clients that maybe have overfunded for our, uh, for their for their kids. And um, But you can only do 6,500 into it each year and $35,000 over the lifetime um, of that. So it's not a, a new strategy that we want to be doing on a regular basis or can be doing on a regular basis, but it's a good opportunity to get those things moved over. Um, and then, you know, especially being in the OB space, you know, it's another cool one is that um, they actually did open up the opportunity to, if you do have a, a qualified birth or adoption, um, you can actually take a distribution um, without penalty, uh, without that 10% penalty, and you can get 5,000 per parent per child within one year of that delivery. So I just thought that was kind of neat, you know, obviously, you know, uh, talk to your CPA, I'm sure that that would still be taxed for you. So um not all plans are necessarily going to offer it, but that's still um, a, a nice, a nice feature, especially um, again for some of our clients that might be having kids in residency and maybe they, you know, or fellowship, and they need access to something like that. It's usually going to be a last resort thing, but now that at least we don't have the penalty, um, not 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 a bad option for us too. This is super, and so many changes um, with just, or I mean, I say just one act. Obviously, an act of Congress is like a huge thing, uh, especially these days. Um, but it's really, really neat, and we'll definitely have a summary of these things on the website. So if you guys are listening to this and saying, "Hey, what what is that thing that I need to go grab or think about with a you know I've got a baby coming up or you know something else that I need to ask my program about with respect to retirement match," we'll definitely have those things. Um, and of course, we have Mike too that we'll we'll come back to at the end of how to get in touch with Mike. But 
Um, the last thing, though, that I want to touch base on with you today is the topic we have to touch base with you on because it changes all the time. And I feel like we do a new episode every month practically with some updates to this, um, but is the continuing student loan saga. What do we need to know about what's happening right now? Yeah, never, never short of news on the student loan stuff these days, uh, you know, good, good or bad, right? Um, but so essentially, what's the, the biggest news that, you know, is, is you know, getting broadcasted everywhere is the Supreme Court case. And so um, I just do want to call attention to it because we uh, consistently have get, are getting the question that a lot of people see the word forgiveness in the news and in Supreme Court, and they stop there. Um, and they group this in with the public service loan forgiveness program. And this is not anything to do with the public service loan forgiveness. That is not on um, up for debate in the Supreme Court right now. What is up for debate on the Supreme Court right now is the Biden forgiveness plan, which would be either ten or twenty thousand dollars, depending on if you're under a certain income threshold and if you took out, uh, you know, if you had Pell grants or not. So. That's what is up for discretion right now. And so they just started oral hearings on the case um, just last week. And so uh, initially, you know, it, with with any of these cases, they in order to sue, you know, they're having to show that there was some sort of someone was hurt or harmed on the basis of this new policy that Biden is, is administering. And so um, the one that is being heard right now by the Supreme Court is the state of Missouri is essentially suing the government saying that Mohella, which is the loan servicer that actually, you know, facilitates the public service loan forgiveness. That's why a lot of people are mixing these things up, right? Um, they, they're saying that they could lose, you know, nearly 40% of revenue or things like that. They're throwing out a lot of numbers um, by the discharging of so much debt for, for, for these people. And so they're saying that they're going to be heard. And so um, there's a lot of back and forth, um, you know, around this. Um, but I know Justice Barrett is really hammering them on this uh, because they, if they even have the basis to sue, because it's technically the state of Missouri that's in the Supreme Court right now, and Mohella, who they're claiming is going to be hurt by this, is um, is not even involved at all in this uh, in this in this lawsuit. So um, there's a lot of questions on that. So you know, it, it's it's all up for debate. You know, I'm not the attorney going to you know comment on this, but what I do know is it's probably going to take a while <laughs> for them to to figure this out and. Uh, as we were talking, Nick, you know, there's there's probably others coming up that coming down the pipe that are you know getting gaining traction in the courts as well and may make its way up to the Supreme Court as well. So, um, you know, what we do know though is that what they've announced is that the payments will turn on at after sixty days, uh, sixty days after whenever they resolve this court case. Um, if it's not resolved by June 30th, payments will be coming on September 1st. Um, that's their backstop right now. Um, however, you know, that's not necessarily to say that they can't push out the forbearance again for one reason or another. Um, and if they do shut this down, um, that is a big, you know, a, a big hit to, to the White House. And so they're likely getting, you know, a lot of commentators are suggesting that there's, you know, they could come out with something even better for student loan borrowers. And we know that they have, uh, they've, they have a formal uh, proposal of a revised version of 
the repay plan. So they're calling it. Yeah, I hope they come out with a better name than re repay, but uh, they got to get some something better for us to, to work with on that. But um, if this new re repay comes out, um, it's pretty killer. I mean, we're looking at the looking at the how it's laid out um, to be potentially lower payments across the board because they're calculating the poverty lines a little bit differently. Um, but the biggest thing, biggest two things on it is that anything any unpaid interest on your loans. So if your payment's a hundred bucks a month or you're accruing a thousand bucks a month on your loans, any un that $900 of unpaid interest would be non-existent on this plan. They're not gonna add any unpaid interest to it. That's huge. Um, and then the biggest thing that historically why people haven't done re repay is because you can't file your taxes separately from your spouse to isolate your income. But now they're suggesting that that might be the case on this new the, on this new plan. Um, so definitely some you know some big things to be thinking about um, you know that could be coming down the pike. And um, so I mean at the end of the day, it's all very favorable for student loan borrowers. Um, and so you know. But we just got, we got to keep an eye on it. And it's it's continuously opening up new strategies for people to save money and uh, make sure that we're prepping, you know, how we're filing our taxes this year so that in, you know, in 2024, we're not caught, caught in a bad spot from a tax filing standpoint either. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Michael, for coming on the show, giving us all this great information. I know that some of our uh, resident members have kind of, you know, reached out to you already, but if they wanted to reach out to you in the future, um, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. No, we're always, always happy to help. And so we'll, we'll have our, our team's email and, uh, and, 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 uh, the show notes as usual. It's just Foley team at northstarfinancial.com. Um, and uh, we did actually add a new advisor. She's a, another uh, a fully licensed um, uh, certified student loan professional, Hannah Floden. Um, she just joined our team this uh, this year. So we're really, really blessed to have her on the team. And um, and so our team is now, we're able to continue doing uh, 10 pro bono resident or fellow uh, fellows each month. So we can do, you know, uh, if you have financial questions or things that you want to chat through while you're in residency or fellowship. Uh, it's a big part of why, why we want to do this stuff for you guys. And um, getting that education out earlier is um, is always really helpful and we can see the impact. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out. We're here to support you guys. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Michael, for all the great info. Um, and I think that does it for today. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Kriegs Over Coffee. If you enjoy the show, you can go ahead and go onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, give us a five star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at Kriags Over Coffee One, on Facebook and Instagram at Kriags Over Coffee, or if you love the show, head over to patreon.com slash Kriags Over Coffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. You can find show notes for this show as well as how to get in touch with Michael um, on our website as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week. That's going to be at www.kriagsovercoffee.com. And finally, if you have a question for us, um, a correction to this or any of our prior episodes, or just want to say hello or suggest a topic for a future episode, email us, creagsovercoffee at gmail.com.